0: Colossians chapter 3 And we will be brief this afternoon. I know we went a little over in the morning service and um, so I used to I used to (laughs) Does brother dan do that tell you he'll be brief and then it's like a long service My kids will tell you every every time I ever said i'm gonna be brief. They just settled in they knew it was gonna be long I don't know how that happens, but there's been times I've gotten up with one point for a sermon, and it takes forty-five minutes. And then other times, I've had ten points; it took seven minutes. You know. <laughs> anyway, all righty. Uh, Colossians chapter number three, and uh, we're going to look at um, a verse there. Hold your place when you get there, if you will, and turn back with me to the book of Ephesians. And I wasn't going to do this, but I think we will because I'm going to be brief, and i got plenty of time now. So, <laughs> Ephesians chapter 5, so hold your place there. Uh, we're going to look at Ephesians 5 first and verse number 18. Ephesians 5 and verse number 18. <clears throat> Paul writes, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts. To the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. And I want to just kind of pause there, and I'm not going to finish reading the entire chapter. But uh, submitting yourselves one to another. He goes through specifically husbands to Christ, wives to their husbands, children to parents, and uh, servants to masters. So those four relationships. And if you'll turn over now to Colossians chapter number 3. And verse number sixteen, Colossians chapter three, and verse number sixteen. And uh, he says here, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making uh, grace. Uh, uh, sorry, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. And uh, then he goes back through submissions again. So both both passages deal with um, uh, the psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, giving thanks to God and the Lord Jesus Christ, and then deals with relationships. All of these are stemming from two phrases that are mentioned. One in Ephesians says that we are not to be drunk with wine, but to be filled with the Spirit. In Colossians it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, In all wisdom, both of them producing the exact same. And I would say this, I I think we can say this definitively, that that you cannot divorce the two principles. You have one of being filled with the Spirit, and uh, then the other of letting the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. I think if you neglect either one, the other will not hold true. And so I think that Paul is very wise in the way he approached both of these subjects and what we're going to look at this afternoon is this idea of letting the Word of Christ dwell in us richly in all wisdom. And, and uh, it's, it's beyond just, um, we know we're supposed to read our Bibles, and we know we're supposed to meditate on them. we're going to look at some things here. But when he uses this phrase, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom, what exactly is meant by that? We know that it is uh, either synonymous or at least closely coordinated with being filled with the Spirit. Uh, D.L. Moody said this one time, he said uh, that there is the, there is a difference between the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the indoing of the Holy Spirit. The Bible uses both of those phrases. One of them having to do with the fact that he comes to live inside of us when we are saved, the other having to do with our submission to him and his ability to use us. And uh, so the idea here is then letting the word of Christ dwell in us richly in all wisdom is closely associated with those things. And so we're going to look at this very quickly. I'm going to bring some things that the Bible speaks about regarding the word of God. I'm going to give you six things today. Uh, Hopefully they'll be a help to you. And again, I'll, I'll put my usual disclaimer on this that this is not an exhaustive list. In other words, there are other things we could find, but these seem to be kind of the prominent ones or the ones that are paramount to us when it comes to this thing of letting the Word of Christ dwell in us richly. Uh, I was talking to the kids downstairs that sang in the, uh, the kids' choir this morning, and I asked them if they knew certain songs. And uh, I said, what one are you all sing, going to sing next? And they said, it's a surprise, so we're not supposed to know which one they're going to sing next. But um, I asked them certain songs. I said, do you know um, the Countdown song? They said, yes. I said, do you know, do you know the little song, um, Jesus Loves the Little Children? They said, yes, and went through several of them. One of them I said was, do you know the song, read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. And a little song we used to sing when I was in Sunday school, and a lot of you know it, and uh, neglect your Bible, forget to pray, and you'll shrink, shrink, shrink. And, and we kind of grow up knowing that we are supposed to uh, read our Bibles, and but yet I fear so often that we neglect some of the weightier matters when it comes to our Bible. This this book deserves more than just a casual sitting and reading. This is the eternal Word of God. This is the thing that is the map of our life. This is what we follow. This is where we get our doctrine from. And so there's so much more that needs to be involved in a Christian's life in our relationship to it. I think Paul addresses it here in the phrase, let the word of Christ dwell in you in all wisdom, uh, richly in all wisdom. And the idea being that there's far more than just reading our Bibles. And so I want us to look at six things. I'm going to give them to you very quickly. And we'll be out of here before two o'clock in the morning at least. (laughs) All right. Number one. Number one, uh, we need to read it. Of course, we know that. Okay, that's that kind of goes without saying. Uh, but I want you to notice some things here, because I think sometimes we take the Word of God. Um, and forgive me for saying it this way, but I believe this is the, the case. I believe in a lot of our lives, we take the the Word of God much more casually than we should, uh, even even when we recognize and know that this is God's Word, and even though. Um, and, and, and let me maybe try to, to explain what I mean by this. Some of us feel like that all we need to do is read our Bible through in a year. I think that's a great thing. Uh, we've, we did a thing this year, challenged a few people. I don't know if anybody succeeded at it, of reading through the Bible in 90 days. Um, I think that's a good thing. I think having a Bible reading plan is a good thing. Uh, checking off of the boxes and reading through Scripture, I think those are good things. But I want you to notice here in in the book of Job, chapter number 23, if you will, turn with me there. Job 23, verse number 11. And notice that Job speaks here. He says, My foot hath held his steps. His way have I kept and not declined. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. There are so many times I feel like we uh, look at the Bible and we think it's just another book. Or we think it's the manual uh, that goes along with uh, the Christian life. And I know we talk about that. But when we understand and realize that the words that are in here, and I'm not talking about just the, the thoughts, but every word that is given in Scripture was breathed literally by God. These are words that were given to the the men that penned them. And the Bible uses the word inspired them to write these words. And every single one of these words were given by God. And so Job gets to the place where he he feels that the words of God are something that ought to be cherished. They ought to be something that we esteem, that we love, that we honor, that we respect. Yet, oftentimes, we, we just neglect uh, the, the, uh, the somberness and the, the seriousness of this book. And we just simply chalk it up to something that uh, we need to do our Christian duty by. A preacher says, we need to be reading it, so I'm going to read it. I've been, in, I've been in conferences, and they say we ought to read our Bible, so I'm going to read my Bible, because I ought to read my Bible. Where is the love for God's Word? Where is the passion for God's Word? The fact that we look at this book and we say this isn't just a book and this doesn't just contain the Word of God, but this is the Word of God. This is every word that He wants me to have in my hands. And Job says this, he says, I esteem it more than my necessary food. Psalm 1 talks about His delight shall be in the law of the Lord and in this law doth He meditate day and night. I wonder when the last time was that we delighted in God's Word. So often I feel that we uh, come to God's Word and it's, and it's, and it's a, a chore, isn't it, sometimes? It's okay to admit that. I'm a pastor. There's times it's a chore to come to God's words. I, I'll tell you this, by the time you're done with it, it's been a great joy. But there's times that you look at it and you're like, man, I'm tired. I don't know if I can get my mind on it. And it's a chore, isn't it? There are times that it's an effort to put forth to read God's Word. But it ought to be so precious to us that we esteem it more than our necessary food. The food that it takes to keep us alive. To where if it's supper time and I haven't had time to read my Bible yet, I don't even realize I'm hungry because I want to read God's Word so much. And Job talks about this. And so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the fact that we ought to read it. We, we kind of know that, don't we? I think we're all in agreement here. We grew up in church. We've been around church enough to know we ought to read our Bibles. Amen? It ought to be something important to us. But the thing that I think we miss sometimes is this thing of meditation. Uh, notice that the Bible says in Psalm chapter 1, if you will, turn there with me. And we're going to look at a couple verses here. Psalm chapter number 1. And uh, we'll look at uh, verse number... Um, Uh, Verse number 2. The psalmist says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Speaking of the blessed man, by the way. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he what? Meditate day and night. Now, meditating is is different than reading, isn't it? It it has the idea of not being able to get it out of our minds. Um, You ever read a book or read something? Uh, Miss Sandy good example i don't mean to embarrass you came in this morning and um we were downstairs having fellowship and what was and miss kim was telling you something and something came to your mind and what'd you do you start singing what song did we sing i don't remember which one it was which one what giant is this from the crows and she started singing this song and, and and then she made the comment you know it gets in your mind is she wakes up these songs on her mind that's the way god's word ought to be to us We ought to wake up, the things that we've read, the things that we've studied, it ought to be something we mull over, we can't get over The truth of it grips our hearts. And I heard somebody say it this way one time, when we come to God's Word, we ought not just read it as God's Word, uh, but we ought to read in looking for the God of the Word in it. And I'll tell you this, it's amazing how much you'll learn about the Lord Jesus Christ and about God the Father and about God the Holy Spirit when we come to the Word of God looking for Him in the pages of it. Things that it tells us about His attributes. And we get to know God and we get drawn closer to God through it. And these are things that when we read them, it causes our minds to mull them over. I have a few people that throughout the week or throughout the month will either call or text or write uh, some way and, and ask questions and there's times I've gone to other people and I've asked questions about things that I've read in scripture because my mind mulls it over and wants to think about it and know about it in Joshua chapter 1 and verse number 8 again a very familiar passage this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. And so I think a lot of times we miss this thing of meditating on it. Now, if Paul's uh, expression, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom, is more than just reading, then I think meditation would have to be part of this. This idea of, of mulling over what we read. Um, don't do like Don't do like you do, with um, the sermons here at Keith Highs Baptist Church, because uh, you know you leave the you leave the building and half hour later somebody says, "What well, preacher preach on this morning?" Boy, I don't know, but it was sure good. <laughs> you know, we, we've already forgotten it. When it comes to scripture, well, not forget it. We we'll ought to mull it over. We we'll ought to meditate on it. So the second thing we need to do is to meditate on it, and I believe that entails studying it. I, I think delving into it. When you find something in scripture. And uh, you you remember or you recall another passage that is very similar to it. Uh, we started the message this morning like that, didn't we? We looked in Colossians chapter three, verse number sixteen. We looked in Ephesians chapter number five, and uh, finding these things and seeing how they compare and how they how they fit together, and, and rightly dividing and understanding and studying Scripture, we need to be able to handle it well. Uh, the Bible says that we're to study to show ourselves. "...approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to what uh, be ashamed." We're servants of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we've been called and commissioned to declare. By the way, let me just say this, not to debate it. It doesn't need debating. It just needs to be declared. The Bible will stand on its own. It doesn't need men's help to, to be authoritative. It can be authoritative on its own. It is powerful, it is sharp, and it will take care of itself. We declare it. We've been given that, that responsibility to declare the Word of God. And, and with that being said, then, then we must be able to do so. We, we need to, Have you ever met somebody who is trying to talk intelligently to you and, um, about a topic? And you can tell by some of the things they're saying that while they try to sound like they know something about the subject, they really don't know much about the subject. I could give illustrations. I wouldn't want to embarrass anybody, but there's a few people around here smiling and knowing what I'm talking about on this. There there are times that, that that happens, doesn't it? Sadly, there's times we do that, don't we? We try to make ourselves sound smarter than we are or bigger than we are. We like to have pride about some of these things. I was listening to a fellow the other day talking about flying, and he made some statements that just weren't right. <laughs> They, they weren't true. And uh, I smiled and just nodded along with him and let him go on talking. But he was telling me things that were not accurate, that, that could, not, could not happen, and were not part of uh, aviation and things like that. And, and I, I want to say this. I, he, he had reason and he had cause to be embarrassed by that and to be ashamed by that. Yet how many times do we have opportunity to talk to somebody about the Bible and our mouth gets moving and we start talking and we really are just kind of muddling our way along trying to get through the conversation and we really don't know our Bibles all that well. If there's anything in this world that we give ourselves to constant study, it ought to be this book. We pay, we pay a lot of money nowadays <laughs> to go to educational places of higher learning and learn a new subject. And we will pay a lot of money to have somebody get up there and teach us something and to read books and to learn. And we will dedicate a lot of time so that we have the ability to be good in that field. And yet how little we seem to study God's Word. This this is what our life calling from God is about. We are to declare this book. And so we ought to always be studying to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing, and that means rightly understanding and interpreting and declaring the word of God. Being able to give the sense thereof and be accurate with it. Being able to recall verses. I don't know about you all. But the thing I found is, as I get older, the harder it is for my brain to remember things. You you, you ever ever notice that? I I tell people my brain is like a sponge; it holds an awful lot until you go to use it, then it all leaks out and you can't find it. (laughs) And uh, so, all of us have put a lot in there, but we can't always get it back out. But you know uh, the importance of studying, meditating memorizing, you say Brother Greg, I'm old. I used to memorize when I was a kid. We need to memorize now still. For we still have a, we still have something to do for the rest of our lives and that is to declare this word and we need to be well versed in it. I, I, I like to have answers when people ask. Sad to say they usually don't ask me except the hard ones and those are ones I haven't always studied <laughs> recently. I have to usually say I don't know, but let's go look at it together. And we'll find out. But all oh, that we can learn, and study, and know this book, that we could be ready to give an answer to every man. According to the reason of hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ, that we could be able to take the Word of God and handle it well. Not being nervous, not being ashamed of it. I don't mind a bit, and, and I mean this, I don't mind a bit for somebody to say to a lost person, I'd like you to go talk to my pastor. I don't mind that a bit. You're more than welcome to do that. But can I urge you to know your Bible well enough that you should not have to do that? That you could personally take your Bible and show somebody the truth of it. Back in the 1600s, there was a church started in Providence, Rhode Island. In fact, it was the first Baptist Church founded in the New Land. It was established by Roger Williams originally. He was there for a few months, and then he went off to uh, evangelize the Indians. And another man by the name of John Clark came along and became the pastor and really was the first uh, full-time pastor of that church. He had a man in that church by the name of Calvin Tubbs. In fact, if you go to that church today in Providence, Rhode Island, it's still standing historical marker. You can go out to the grave, and you can find the gravestone of Calvin Tubbs. Calvin Tubbs was a ship captain who uh, was a member of that church. He wasn't a deacon. He wasn't uh, a Sunday school teacher. He was just a member of that church. And uh, one year, he was over in Hamburg, I think it was Hamburg, uh, Germany, if I remember the city correctly, but it was in Germany, and uh, he uh, got weathered in. The ice came in before he could depart, and he had to winter uh, through uh, three months of ice and snow and winter up there in Germany. And so he had to find lodging for three months. He found a a Lutheran minister uh, back then. That was the state religion of Germany by the name of Johann Anken. And he stayed at Johann Anken's house. Of course, the Lutherans back then and Johann Anken believed in infant baptism. They believed in baptismal regeneration, meaning you had to be baptized to be saved. And since they believed that you had to be baptized to be saved, then the next logical doctrinal mistake they made was then baptize people as early as you can because of the infant mortality rate that they had then. So they believed in infant baptism. And, uh, and uh, Calvin Tubbs spent the winter up there, and for those next three months, he was able to take the Bible and show this Lutheran minister why infant baptism was not scriptural nor biblical. Johann Anken trusted Christ as his Savior, as a Lutheran uh, minister, and put his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and faith alone, not his works, And asked Calvin Tubbs if he would uh, uh, baptize him. Calvin Tubbs says, I am not authorized to baptize. And uh, he said, would you send somebody to baptize him? And uh, he said, as soon as I get back to the States, I'll work on that. He goes back to the States and for eight years does not get a chance to go back to uh, Germany. And Johann Anken during this time leads four other people to the Lord. And uh, eight years they've been waiting to be baptized. And finally, a man by the name of Sears was going over to Cambridge, England to study a Baptist preacher. And Calvin Tubbs asked him, he said, while you're there, would you mind going over to this little town in Germany and find a man by the name of Johann Anken and baptize him? He got saved eight years ago. And Mr. Sears went over there and he baptized Johann Anken and his four other uh, members of his family that had gotten saved. And Johann Anken began a ministry serving the Lord and preaching the gospel. And over, at that time, it was illegal. In fact, you could be arrested for being baptized publicly. Uh, and Johann Anken in the, in the darkness of night with his, uh, four other, uh, converts went down in in the cold, cold river and all five of them were baptized. Johann Anken in his lifetime established over 900 Gospel preaching stations that stemmed all through Europe and even as far as Australia. Only eternity will tell the hundreds of thousands of people that came to know Christ because of Johann Anken. And I would say this all because a ship's captain knew his Bible. Just a member of a church. He wasn't an elder, he wasn't a preacher, he wasn't a missionary. He was just a member of a church, but he knew his Bible. You know, that's one thing I like about the Baptists. It doesn't matter if you're a preacher or a missionary or a Sunday school teacher or a deacon or the janitor or the lawnmower guy or the lady that comes and vacuums the floor. Every single person that sits in the pew of a Baptist church ought to know their Bible and be ready to tell people about it. I love that. That's only number two. We're not going to get out of here anytime soon. Number three. (laughs) Number three. We need to take heed to it. We need to take heed to it. Psalm 119, verse number nine, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto? James put it this way, Be not a hearer only, but a doer of the word. The idea being that we don't just listen to it. We don't just hear it. We do it. We put it into practice into our lives. This is part of letting the Word of Christ dwell in us richly in all wisdom. It's not just hearing it. It's having it be a part of our lives. Give heed to it. Uh, lend our ear to it. Uh, when, when the Word of God gets talked about, sometimes in discussions, in fellowship time, uh, the conversation will turn towards the things of the Lord. Uh, the other day I was out to eat with, with a friend, and uh, we got talking about the things of the Lord. An hour and a half later, we went to Bob Evans. And they were probably about ready to kick us out because we stayed long after they closed talking about the things of the Lord. And what better place to do it than over food, amen? That's a good Baptist. And, uh, but taking heed to it. taking it, Not just listening to it, but putting our minds and applying our hearts to it and allowing it to do its work. The Bible said in Psalm 119, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It ought to be that which directs our steps. It ought to be that which guides us. Number four. We're going to move along here. Memorize it. Psalm 119, verse number 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. Uh, Hide God's word in your heart. Memorize it. You say, Brother Greg, I'm getting up in years. I have a hard time remembering it. There are things you can do to help memorize things. Uh, Record it on your phone. They have some of these voice memos and let it play in a loop while you're going to sleep. Just let it play over and over and over. Just one verse. It won't be but a night or two before you'll be doing it. Listen to music while you're studying it. Maybe the same music. And you notice that you can remember a song a lot of times easier than you can remember a verse or a paragraph. Uh, Read it over and over again out loud. Uh, There was a study done when I was in college. Sadly, I didn't read it until I was a senior in college. But they found out that if you would read your notes out loud while walking around in a room the night of the day that you took the notes that you retained 85% of what you learned that day in class. If you waited till the next morning, you only retained 25%. I thought, man, where was that when I was a freshman, junior, sophomore, junior? But uh, read it out loud. Walk around. Apply our hearts and minds to it. Stick them on cards that are in common places where you go. Refrigerator is Baptist, favorite place to go. Uh, second place probably a, a mirror in your bathroom or on your rear view mirror of your car Find places to put little little cards with verses on them Memorize 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 why so we can be workmen that need not be ashamed So we can rightly divide and handle the word of god So that we can have the word of christ dwell in us richly and always all right number 5 five I've already mentioned that uh, by the way psalm one nineteen eleven. I think I gave you that reference uh, number five, declare it. Declare it. We've been given the responsibility not just to sit, soak, and sour in the Word of God, but we are to declare the Word of God. What good is it to study something if you're never going to go out and use it? Declare it. Do something with it. Share it everywhere you go. I, I found this. The more I saturate my heart and mind with the Bible, the, the, the easier it is to share it and the harder it is to not share it. There's sometimes I find myself in conversations and I think, how in the world did I even get into this conversation? It just became natural. But those are times that I'm really uh, ingesting and spending time and saturating my life with the Word of God. The times that I neglect it, I find are harder. I'm more, more, more shy, more timid about sharing it. And, and we go through cycles like that, don't we? A lot of ups and downs in that. All right, so declare it. Uh, Acts chapter 20, verse number 27. Let's look at that very quickly. And, uh, again, giving you some scripture for this. Uh, All of this stuff you can take and study later and and find even more on. But I'm just trying to give you a framework, something to help with uh, these areas. Acts chapter 20 and verse number 27. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Uh, This is the Apostle Paul, I believe, speaking at this point. And uh, the idea being that he was not going to shun the declaring of the whole counsel of God. Also look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. If I can get there quick enough. And verse number 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And verse number 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. We are to declare the word of God. I believe this is part of what Paul said when he said, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. These are all things that are entailed in this. And then lastly, I'll give you this one. We're to stand fast in it, not wavering. Uh, We're not to sit here and be blown about by every wind of doctrine or philosophies of men. The Bible is something that we can anchor ourselves to. And we're to stand firm in it. Turn with me, if you will, to Ephesians chapter number 6. Probably one of the best verses of Scripture for this. Ephesians chapter number 6, where it talks about the whole armor of God. And notice what is said here in the verse number uh, 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to... Withstand. Now, the word "withstand" is a little bit different than just the word "stand." The word "withstand" kind of gives the idea of a bombardment or something that is coming against it and being able to withstand or or put against the pressure of. Uh, my mom lives down in Florida, right in the path of where the hurricane came recently, and and, and then at the last minute, the Lord turned the hurricane. Praise the Lord. But I've, I've ridden some of those hurricanes out. Some of you have been in, in storms like that where you've ridden things out and you watch as the trees sway and you think, how in the world are they not breaking and just falling right over? And we had an old oak tree in our backyard when I lived in Florida that went through five or six hurricanes and I went out there every time and there would be a couple branches maybe that came off of it, but that tree was as solid as solid could be and it withstood the hurricane. And I'll tell you this, in the Christian life, there's going to be some things, that storms that come our way, and we better be able to withstand them. We better be able to brace them. And can I tell you this, you're not going to do it in your strength, nor am I going to do it in mine. We better have our roots established in this book. I mean, they better go deep. Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 5 through 10, talks about the roots being planted down in that water. Being deep into that water. Psalm 1, again, talking about the tree planted by the rivers of water and, and having that those roots deep into that. Why? Because we anchor ourselves to this book. Stand, verse number 14, therefore having your loins girt about with what? Verse number 14, look with me. I hopefully you didn't change your Bible here. Ephesians 6, 14. Stand therefore having your loins skirt about with truth. Right at the top of the list, isn't it? What is truth? Thy word is truth. Having thy loins skirt about with truth. How are we going to stand? How are we going to withstand? By having ourselves grounded in the word of God. Notice he says here in verse number... Um, uh, let's see here. Let's go to verse number. Uh, the end of verse number thirteen, and having done all to stand, stand therefore. Having made that preparation, having having already ahead of time established this thing, then stand in it. Don't be wavered around. Don't be. It's amazing to me how many people leave our Baptist churches. And go into denominations that teach error of doctrine. Those that go into even cults—they're pulled into things where the, the Word of God is not even uh, uh, considered to be the thor- the authority. It's amazing to me how many go into the Mormon faith, how many of them go into the Jehovah's Witness faith, and, and they are they are they are swayed. Because they've not deepened their roots and established their roots. If you're going to let the Word of God dwell in you richly with all wisdom, can I tell you this? We need to be established on the truth of God's Word and anchored to it. not able to be moved. And so I hope this will be a help to you in letting the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. There's so much more to be said. So many other things that could be said about this. But can I tell you this, that we as God's people need to get out of the mindset that my Christian duty to this book is only to fill out my sheet and check off my reading schedule each day. It's goes, it goes far beyond that, folks. We need to learn it. We need to study it. Uh, years ago, I wanted to become a pilot. I, I, since I was eight years old, I wanted to fly airplanes. And uh, my wife at the time then said... I'm tired of hearing you talk about it. Go do it. So I went down to the flight school, and I was actually looking at a few flight schools, and I went to the, I think it was the third or fourth one I went to visit, and he had a lot of good things to say. I still really hadn't made up my mind, and I said, uh, I said well, thank you for your time. I said, uh, I'm going to think about it, and I said, uh, here very soon I'm going I'm to start my flight training. And this guy, his name was Ernie Carnahan, the Christian fellow. I didn't know it at the time. But he looked at me as I was walking out the door, and he was very laid back. He's sitting back in his chair, and he said, He said, Greg, that's fine, but he said, if you say that, you're never going to fly. I looked at him, I said, what do you mean? He said, one day never comes. He said, I got an appointment of open at 3.30 this afternoon. If you want to fly, come on back here, and we'll have your first lesson today. Came back and had the first lesson that day. and The truth is, he was right. If all I did was keep going around visiting these these flight schools, trying to find out which one I wanted to go with, I'd keep saying one day I'm going to go get my pilot's license. And Can I say this, that if we're not careful in the Christian life, we'll come across the truth like what we looked at this morning, and we're going to say one day I'm going to get that right. One day, you know, Brother Greg, what you say is true, and one day I'm really going to give myself to study this book. Can I tell you this, if you say that, you'll never do it. Do it today. Not to give you another airplane analogy, but we've already gone after two anyway, so you want to hear it. Several years later, I was doing an instrument training. You have these glasses on you can't see outside the airplane, so you have to have your instructor in there with you to make sure you don't fly into a tower or a building or something like that. And we're flying, and we're coming in for a landing. We're doing what's called an approach, and I'm supposed to be on the glide path. I'm watching my instruments, and I was a little bit low, just a little bit, not much, just a little bit low. And he said, uh, Greg, you're a little low on the glide path. I said, yeah, I see it. I'm I'm fixing it, and I, I pull back a little bit, and I'm trying to ease that back up there. I don't want to overshoot it, so I'm easing it up. And next thing I know, that that yoke that I was holding on to, was thrown back in my chest like this and that plane nosed up in the air like this and I looked over at Todd and he said fix it now (laughs) because he saw something in front of us that I couldn't see and if I hadn't fixed it now we'd run into something can I tell you this there are things in our lives when we come across truth like this we need to keep that in mind fix it now fix it now Go home today and say, you know what, Lord, I have not given myself to this book. I'm going to fix it today. All right, let's stand together and we'll be dismissed in prayer. Lord, thank you for your word, how it encourages.